Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Make Money Behave. I'm Maria Casillas, your hostess, and I'm so glad that you decided to join me today. Listen, today we're going to talk about our credit scores, and I think I'm going to break this up into two separate episodes. One, because there are just so many nuances about this. And two, because I really like to keep these short and to the point. So I think the best way to break it up is going to be to talk today a little bit about establishing credit and, you know, like how to raise your score a little bit. And then in the next episode, I'll talk about reestablishing credit or recovering from a bankruptcy. So Let's jump right in today into some of the things about just establishing credit and why is it important anyway. Now, you may know that I'm the type of coach who believes that there is not a one size fits all for every single person. And in fact, that's what I do when people come to me. They say, what what is the actual strategy that you use? And I tell them that I can't really give them that advice yet because I don't know what would work for them. There are so many different personality styles out there and the way that we spend money, the way that we save money, the way we think about money, it all is revolving around different personality styles, different mindsets, things that we we believe about money and things that we honestly, that we believe about ourselves. And so I can't tell somebody that this particular strategy is the strategy for everybody because that's not true. In fact, there are different types of budgeting that you can do. There are different approaches, and I'll talk about those at a different time. But the reason I bring all of that up is because it's no different when it comes to the idea of credit scores and whether or not we need them. There are many experts out there who suggest that a credit score really is just something that gets people in trouble that it's an I love debt score. And so in order to get that score up, you need to be involved in a lot of debt. And so therefore, it's going to be a bad strategy for somebody. Now, that's not entirely untrue in the sense that you do need to engage in debt if you plan to have any sort of credit score. So I'm not suggesting that the quote, I love debt score is not true. It's just that it's not something that has to be feared by everybody. When we talk about the ter- the type of personality who is like they know that if they've got access to credit and they're just going to blow through it, that person might be better off with no credit score. <laughs> even even after you find out about all of the benefits of having a high credit score, that person if it if the the risk outweighs the benefit, then then yeah, maybe maybe trying to build their credit score isn't the best strategy for their overall financial plan. But for the person who has recognized that they have the ability to uh, you know, self-control and that th- this is used as simply that, which is a strategy to help get discounts on other things and such, then I think that that's something that, there's, that we should not be fearing. And I don't think that um, people should feel like they, it's an all or nothing thing. You guys know me. I do not like the all or nothing thinking. I fall into it sometimes, but I know how harmful that can be. So uh, having said all of that, I would like to just kind of talk a little bit about what the credit score is and why it might be important for somebody who really just needs to use it as a strategy. Now, I do want to throw a, a disclaimer in here real quick, guys, that I'm not, I'm not an expert in terms of, you know, how I, I don't, 
claim to know how to repair credit and all of that. This is just a <laughs> this is just an overview of things that I've learned along the way and things that I've been able to research. So a lot of this information, if you want more detailed information, I encourage you to look things up, become self-learners, but I wanted to at least streamline that process for you a little bit today and just kind of give you some of the tidbits of information that I definitely found helpful and hopefully you can walk away from this episode knowing a few little tricks that could help you build your credit score as well or even whether or not you care. <laughs> like I know that not everybody cares and that's totally fine too. So I think the most logical place to start with all of this is to just kind of explore what their credit score is anyway and how is it determined. After doing a little bit of research, I found that there are actually two types of credit scores. One is called the FICO and the other one is called the Vantage score. So um, interestingly enough, when I kind of reached out to my demographic and just said, hey, I'm going to be talking about credit scores. What are some of the questions you have? And one of the respondents said, hey, I'm just curious about why when I see my score that, and I talk to my mortgage company, they tell me that that's not the score they're using. And I didn't know the answer to that question. I still don't know the actual answer to that question. But what I'm wondering is maybe we're being shown the FICO score and perhaps they're using the Vantage score when trying to determine the stuff for the mortgage. Again, I don't know that to be a fact, but I'm just kind of do, using deductive reasoning here and suggesting that that might be one of the cases. Because I know with like certain credit cards and certain bank accounts right now, they have kind of that check your FICO score built into it. And it oftentimes seems to be exactly that where it's the FICO score or not. Uh, I've never seen where it says check your Vantage score here. So what I'm wondering is maybe we're actually seeing this, the FICO score and that the Vantage score is what the mortgage companies are using. Because with a little bit of research, it said that the um, Vantage score really is a combination of what those three credit reporting bureaus are, are reporting. Now, those bureaus are Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Now, I'm going to just take a second here to pause and, and digress a little bit, not a ton, but I do want to encourage you. I just mentioned three credit reporting bureaus. Again, they are Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And I want you to understand that those are those are the places where all of your credit history is going to be listed. So it's everything that's associated with your social security number, um, at least here in the United States. That's how that works. And it will include things like your addresses, phone numbers, purchases, things that are, you know, accounts that were defaulted, accounts that are on time, payments and whatever. And depending on the, the actual report, it will look a little bit differently. The setup looks different. Again, I said I wasn't going to go into the, all of this until I've actually walked through the process myself. And so over the last few days, I have actually requested my credit report and I encourage you to do the same thing. You can actually get your free credit report at annualcreditreport.com. Again, that is annualcreditreport.com. I will throw that into the show notes for you. But you can actually request that normally, under normal circumstances, you can request one of those reports each year, one time a year. And so one strategy that you can use, if you want to stay on top of your credit report a little bit more often than every year, what you can do is re request one from Equifax, for example, 
on in January, and then you can request one from TransUnion in say you know April. You can just do this every third, fourth month or whatever, and then uh, you know four months later in September, you can request one from Experian. I know that I didn't do the math there right, but <laughs> you guys know what I mean, right? So like January, May, September, or something like that. Just request one every four months, and then you'll have been able to see what your um, like if you've got any fraud or identity theft or whatever, you kind of be able to see at least one of those every few months. Now, right now, because of everything that's going on with the pandemic, they are allowing you to access your credit reports, all three of them, if you like, one time every single week until April of 2021. Now, if you are requesting your credit report every single week, I'd venture to say you have way too much time on your hands, <laughs> but what's nice about that is you can actually stay very much on top of having your credit report and you don't have to worry about having to wait four months. So that's really nice. So you can actually just do what I did and that was request all three in one single day because I kind of like to batch things. Like if I'm going to work on something, I kind of want to batch it up. So I don't have to revisit it all the time. So instead of getting, you know, one from Experian this week and then one from TransUnion next week, so on and so forth, I just decided to do all of them at one time and look to make sure everything's cool. And then if I want to look at it again next month, I can do that. So again, free, no, not free, sorry. You can get a free report, but it's not, the word free is not in the address. So the address again for that is annualcreditreport.com. And you can pull it free every single week until April of 2021. Okay, so getting back to the actual scores and how they are calculated, I think we should start with just the scores in general, the range of scores. So whether you're talking about FICO or the Vantage score, there's a range from 300 to 850. Where some of the discrepancies come in is what number is determined fair, good, very good, excellent, all of that within each one of those types of scores. So for example, with the FICO score, anything between 300 and 579 is very poor, 580 to 669 is poor, or I'm sorry, fair, 670 to 739 is good, and 740 to 799 is very good, 800 to 850 is excellent. So I don't expect you to <laughs> to know all of that or to remember that. I know I went through those pretty quickly, but when I when we looked at the Vantage stuff, really anything above 660 is considered good. And then um, 731, I'm sorry, 781 is excellent. So it, it's like the Vantage score becomes excellent a little bit sooner than FICO score. And it's just like this giant mess, right? <laughs> um, so most, I think most people fall between 600 and 750. And really, again, anything over 800 is considered excellent. Now, we just did, if you've listened to this show at all in the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we just did um, a mortgage on a new home. And I can tell you that when we were going through the mortgage process, they said anything over 740 would really be equivalent to anything over 800. I don't know if that's actually the case or not, but that's what they said to us. And so we wanted to make sure that our score stayed at least above that 740 mark. And um, we were able to get some pretty decent rates with that particular score. So I just want to give you a quick idea of how many people have what. And I'm only going to give you these stats for the FICO score because I don't want to throw too many numbers at you. But 
in that 300 to 579 range, about 16% of people who use this system have a very poor score. And then uh, the FAIR score is about 17%. The people who are from 670 to 739, which is considered good, there are 21%. The highest number, again, this makes sense, um, is that from 740 to 799, there's actually 25% who are in there. So that's actually pretty good. And then there's 21% of people who are in the 800 or 850 and above. So I share all that with you so that you know it is possible to get up into those bigger ranges. And um, we'll kind of explore some of the ways to do that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about what are some of the factors that go into these two different types of scores. The You're going to hear a lot of overlap, and so I'll draw some conclusions for you in just a minute. But let me just read for you what some of the FICO score factors are, and then you can um, kind of compare those to what the Vantage score factors are. So in the FICO scoring process, the most influential piece is your payment history on loans and credit cards. Highly influential is your total debt and amounts owed. Moderately influential is the length of credit history, and less influential is the new credit or credit mix. So basically the types of accounts you have, secured debt, unsecured debt, etc. So with the Vantage factors, the most influential is payment history. That's the same. Highly influential is age and type of credit and the percent of credit limit used. Moderately influential is the total balances and debt. And the less influential for that one is recent credit behavior or inquiries and available credit. So if you're riding on a treadmill right now or you're driving and you were hoping to be able to take notes and you can't, I know that I just threw a whole lot of stuff at you. Um, it's, it is important, but it's not something that you need to write down right now. You can find this information basically by doing a quick Google search if you want to. But I want to share these things with you to let you know that it's quite possible that that's why these scores will be different. So the FICO score might be different than the, than the Vantage score because it takes all of the same information, but it weighs it differently. Okay. So the, the Vantage score really doesn't care about how much available credit you have, but the FICO score does. Like it, it wants you to have um, like highly influential how many debts you have and the amounts that you have owed. Also, you'll hear, see here that it's only moderately influential the length of credit history, but in the Vantage score, it's highly influential the age and type of credit that you have. So it's just, it's, it can be so frustrating. Like, okay, where do I start? What do I do if I'm trying, if I'm trying to increase both scores, I can't focus on two things at once, right? So I'm going to tell you that, I'm just going to remind you that the number one influential thing on both score types is your payment history. Payment history. So what does that mean? It means pay your stuff on time or early. And listen, guys, this is one of the number one principles that we have when we talk about how to get a cash flow system going. You need to pay your stuff on time. Once you get organized and you see everything that you have coming in and you see everything that you have going out, one of the first things that I teach people anyway is to make sure that you're paying your stuff on time. 
And that's fantastic. That's probably why I didn't run into a whole lot of really low credit scores when we were going through our debt-free journey because I was not focused on the score at all, but I was paying my stuff on time. So as I was paying those things on time and as I was lowering the amount of debt that I owed as compared to the amount of credit that was there, then my score naturally went up. So even though I wasn't paying attention to it, it naturally went up by doing the things that I teach you to do anyway. And so that's, if you walk away from this episode with just one thing, I want that to be it. That if you just do the things that I teach you, your credit score will start to go up naturally. So pay your stuff on time. That is the number one thing to do. That's not even a trick, right? It's not a, it's not a loophole. It's not some sort of, you know, strategy. It's just, it's just what's going to happen naturally because they both have that as the most influential thing. Now, what if you have a history of not paying things on time? That's going to hurt you, right? Because that's one of the most influential things. They're looking at what your payment history is. You can't fix all of that. You just have to start going forward. So start paying your stuff on time going forward. Having said all of that, there might be some stuff on your credit report that really doesn't even belong to you. I know one time I was actually trying to get a HELOC and when I was going through the the loan process, I received a thing saying, we're sorry, we can't give you this HELOC because there's a lien against your home. I'm like, what in the world? Like, I don't owe anybody anything. Why Why is there a lien on my home? And it was some medical bill. So when I heard that it was a medical bill, I thought, wow, you know, we've had quite a few medical things happen in the last seven to 10 years. So maybe I missed something. And I really started to second guess myself. Well, upon further investigation, we found that it was actually a Mary Casillas who had not paid some medical bill from some some years behind. And somebody went ahead and put a lien on our house thinking that they were me. And we were able to obviously get that removed because I'm not who who they said I was. And so it was it was a process that did wasn't super difficult for us to do. It was kind of a pain, but you know, it wasn't hard. And so we get we got through all of that. We were able to get that removed. I don't even know if it showed up on my credit score. I mean on my credit report because I was not checking my credit report diligently at that time. The only reason I knew about it was because of applying for that HELOC. So um having said all of that, I want to make sure that you are pulling your credit report. I just showed you how to do that. So pull that report and check it to make sure that there are no uh things on there that don't belong to you. Because if somebody else's negative payment history is on there, guess what? That's going to actually affect your credit score, even though it's not yours. So you want to dispute that. When I went through this process just a couple days ago in preparation for this uh, episode, I actually found on one report, only one out of the three, which I found very interesting, there was a wrong address listed. It was some Phoenix address that I have never lived. And I'm like, nope, this is definitely not me. I don't know what other things might be connected to that. So I made sure that I disputed that address, even though it was not specifically a negative mark on my on my um, report. I wanted to make sure they knew that whoever that was, was not me. So that got taken off. Um, and then I mentioned that the way that these different things are set up, they look very different. So some of them might have like every single payment history for the last 15 years or 18 years, how long, however long you've had it. And then some of them uh, just have things listed out, um, you know, according to I don't know, like the way that the card was, if there's a negative mark or not. So I, again, I encourage you to pull all three of these so you can read them yourself and just kind of see how it looks and just become familiar with what that report looks like. 
But if there's any negative payment history on there that doesn't belong to you, please, please, please make sure you dispute that and get that off. There is a pretty easy process to do that. Um, I think a lot of them online now, you can, especially if you go through that annualcreditreport.com, you can just do the disputes right there online. It walks you through that process and then they communicate with you via email, which is way easier than um, the old school way where you had to like send in a document and ask them to have it removed and all of that stuff. So definitely some uh, good changes there for us. Um, and then the other thing is like they look at how much credit you have compared to how much you owe. And so one of the little strategies or tricks is to ask for increased credit lines and to keep the amount that you owe under 30%. Now, I say 30% because that seems to be one of the commonly accepted um, numbers that's out there. But I have heard a lot of people say that if you can keep it at 10% or less, that's even better for you. So when we're talking about debt to income, not debt to income ratio, I'm sorry, when we're talking about debt uh, owed to amount there, what we're really saying is, as an example, if you owe a total of $3,000 and you have a total credit limit of $10,000, you are at that 30% mark. If you want to stay at the 10% mark, you want to make sure you owe less than $1,000 on a full $10,000 credit limit. Does that make sense? Now, you might have much higher credit limits than that. And so if you have, um, I think I think we might have, I want to say $75,000 credit line or something like that. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I just looked at it a few days ago, but I think it's right around there. So um, let's just round up to $100,000 just because it's easier math for me right now. But if we had $100,000 in credit card um options or debt what's the word I'm looking for credit credit available that's the word I'm looking for oh, it's been a long day um if we have a hundred thousand dollar credit available then in order to stay under the 30 percent we have to make sure we owe less than thirty thousand dollars on those credit cards and if we want to stay less than ten percent we want to owe less than ten thousand dollars now for those of you who are listening to this and freaking out at the idea of owing thirty thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars I want you to know that I'm not suggesting that you do that in fact that's why I bring up big numbers like that because if you are the type of person who is going to increase your credit score and I'm sorry increase your credit limit and then spend against it do not do this please okay if you know that you're the type of person who sees it and notes it's there and you're like yes we're gonna just max that out we're gonna max that out do not try this at home folks okay because it is very easy to get into a lot of trouble if you are spending against that credit limit if you know that you have a credit card for example that you only pay your monthly bills on I actually do this because you guys know I like to automate a lot of things. We're already at 22 minutes. <laughs> That's it's a lot farther than I normally go. Um, I like to automate a lot of things. And so I actually have a credit card that I have put any of my utilities that I'm able to use a credit card for. And it's automatically on there. I have calculated approximately how much that's going to be each and every month. And then I make sure that I put that money aside right away so that I can pay it immediately in full at the end of any given month. So that is something that I do. And I have, um, like I think mine's about a thousand dollars. Just to give you an example, we have to put our, like our, um, what do you call it, our health share stuff on there. So basically, our premiums for health insurance, and that right there is 
500 bucks. So there is, there are some amounts that I know I'm going to spend anyway. It's not like me going out for clothes. It's not going out to eat. It's just bills that I know are pretty steady and we're going to have to pay. So I put those on a card and I make sure I pay that off every single month. That card itself has a $10,000 limit. So anytime there's a thousand dollars on there, I'm, I'm meeting about that 10% mark that I was talking about. That is somewhere where if you want, you can actually, and I did this the other day, I requested an increased line of credit. Now with everything that's going on, they're not just giving out credit willy-nilly these days, especially if they're afraid you're going to spend it. So I don't know if it's going to work for you, but what I did was just went in there real quick online and just requested a credit line increase. They asked how much money we're making. They... um I don't remember what else they asked. It's just a few simple questions online. And then they gave us an extra $1,000. So our credit limit on that card went from $10,000 to $11,000. Do we intend to spend that extra $1,000 every month? Absolutely not. All that's doing is it's a small trick to lower the amount, the percentage that we actually put on that card every month without actually lowering the cost of what we put on that card every month. So um, again, this is, remember, this is a behavioral thing. <laughs> so if you have that tendency to just spend, 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 this is not a good trick for you. But if you know that your stuff is in order and you're already on a good schedule, then feel free to use this as a way to owe less every month in terms of percentage. Okay. So, what else? Oh, establishing credit. If you are a teenager or you have a teenager, you're more likely to have a teenager if you're listening to this show um, than you are to be a teenager. But if you have someone in your household who is interested in getting credit, establishing credit, but you're really kind of afraid of them just you know, having access to a full credit card, one way to help you establish their credit for them is to add them to yours. Now, this is, it's, this is a strategy that is totally legal. It's a lot less dangerous than some other methods of helping your teenager establish credit. And it's kind of like an add a girl or add a boy for you for maintaining a good credit score and being able to then, quote, pass that on to your kids, if you will. So it's it's actually quite simple. The way that you're going to help your kiddo, because on both of these score factors, one of the factors is the length of credit history as well as what we just talked about, which is your payment history. Now, if you add an authorized user to any one of your cards, then that authorized user is the amount, sorry, let's see, let me back up. If you add an authorized user to your card, then everything that goes along with that card goes to that authorized user. So for example, my husband and I are authorized users on each other's cards for the most part. And so we both see a lot of the same stuff showing up on our credit reports. If you have a long, well-established card that you have had for 15, 18 years, and you've made really great payments on time, all the time with that card, that would be a really good one to add your kiddo to. We're actually going to add our 15-year-old to one of our long-standing cards as well, just so that we can help her establish credit. Now, on paper, she will be an authorized user. If she gets a physical card in hand, she will be able to go and rack up you know, that full $10,000 in credit if we let her. I'm not going to give her a card, you guys. At this point, that's not what this is all about. You can actually just add her as a user and not actually give her access to your account. You don't even have to let your kiddo know you're doing this, just for the record. (laughs) So, So when they go to, you know, get a car loan, if that's what they're trying to do, I don't necessarily suggest that you do that with a kiddo, but 
uh, I know that there are people who want to get a car loan for their kids. And so if you go to do that, their their name is going to pop up on that particular thing and they will have some established credit there. So they'll have a decent credit score. So it's just a way to help them get that foot up without having to make them do a secured credit card and all of that stuff that costs more money. So it's free, legal, and we like those things here. Okay, so unless I'm interviewing somebody, I like to try to keep these under 30 minutes. Usually they're more like 10. And so today I've, I've actually reached that number. And so I'm going to just close up with today. But I do want to let you know that I still am available through the chatwithmc.com. And while my my free 20 to 30 minute call is not typically surrounding this particular topic. If that is something that you really want to talk about and, you know, say, hey, here's my score. Do you have any tips on how we can get that fixed? Please feel free to schedule a call with me on that link. Again, it's chatwithmc.com. You just schedule a quick call and when, and that one, do the free icebreaker one. That's what I want you to schedule. And when we connect, you can just say, I'm really interested in figuring out more about this whole credit thing. And I'll be happy to chat with you about that. I also encourage you to hit subscribe today. And while you're there, feel free to leave a rating. That really helps me to get this word out for people. And hitting subscribe today will help make sure that you don't miss any other episodes, including bouncing back and repairing your credit score after a bankruptcy. I'd like to encourage each of you all to go out and be the change that you want to see in the world. And as always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.